Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with three people from a university in Portugal where we're going to discuss a bunch of things around Kotlin in academia. There's three of you, so I will um, ask you each to introduce yourselves and what you do in at the university and a little bit your position. Uh, so there's also two Pedros. So I'm going to say, Pedro, do you want to go first? And then I'll let you figure out which Pedro I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can go first. Um, my name is Pedro Felix. And among other things, I'm a teacher here at the engineering school of the Lisbon Polytechnical Institute. I teach mostly uh, concurrent programming and also web uh, development. Uh, okay, it's me, uh, Paulo Pereira. I'm also a professor here at ISEL. Uh, I teach several subjects regarding application development, mostly uh, mobile, mobile device programming, uh, but I also teach uh, web application development and also concurrent programming like Pedro. And Pedro, you're left. <laughs> okay, my name is Pedro Pereira. I'm teacher at ISEL. Um, of uh, programming in many uh, years um, in the first semesters uh, and uh, uh, disciplines of uh, other semesters to the end of a course. Okay, so but what topics do you cover in programming? Just general teaching programming concepts as such? Programming one-on-one mostly. Okay, to give the audience a little bit of uh, history and background, this isn't just randomly that we decided to reach out to each other because Pedro, you, Pedro Felix, the first Pedro that yeah. spoke, um, this is going to be hard. Uh, you and I know each other for some time, right? And you actually came from a .NET background, kind of like me, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I worked with uh, mainly with .NET for, for several years. Um, when teaching, I always covered both uh, the .NET world and the Java world. But uh, in my um, activities as a software engineer, I was most more focused in .NET. But in, I think, three years ago, I started working more on uh, with the JVM. And it was probably where uh, my interest for using Kotlin started to grow. Yeah, because, I mean, as a .NET developer, I guess that you know, you were accustomed to C Sharp and because there is that there is yes. this thing also in .NET, which is Visual Basic. And, and what was that other language? I can't remember. It started with an F. Oh, yes, F Sharp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a joke about uh, like, yeah, um, a private joke. Right? Uh, so, yeah, you know, if, if, if you are coming from .NET, I guess that Java wasn't really your um, cup of tea, right? Yeah, so uh, I think the, the, the JVM ecosystem is a very interesting and very rich and very dynamic ecosystem. The, the Java language, not so much. So uh, it, it, mainly um, until two years ago, three years ago, uh, before Java 8, it's, it was uh, not very interesting from a language viewpoint. Um, but the JVM ecosystem and the, the JVM platform, it's, it's interesting. It has a lot of innovation happening. So having a, a, a language that fits well in, in, in that ecosystem was, was, was something interesting. We had Scala, 
but somehow Scala always had some integration issues, at least uh, in my experiences. So the fact that uh, using Kotlin on, on a JVM ecosystem was pretty painless um, was uh, uh, a very catching point for me. I think that for me, it would be a, a major success in seeing Kotlin adopted in universities and, and Kotlin being used as a first language to teach people programming. And uh, so when I heard about your experiences, because you and I, again, were talking about uh, some time ago, you were looking at KTOR, you were looking at different things for for web development. Can you tell me where all of this started? I mean, how did you start to get Kotlin at your institution? Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, this is Paul. Um, uh, I was at the time uh, focusing mobile device programming uh, and I was working in the industry using Java. And at the time, that, uh, it, that was at 2016, by the way. At the time, uh, it wasn't ser a serious contender, Java, because the, the language Pre-8 um, was uh, very um, prolixic, uh, too much punctuation, too much, too much boilerplate. Uh, the, the coming of Kotlin uh, was a, a, a breath of fresh air because it, is it was more concise uh, and expressive. Uh, its expressiveness was bigger. Uh, so... Uh, at the time, I tried uh, in in the context of a um, of a course, my course, a mobile uh, programming uh, course. Uh, it was an, a third year elective course at the time, um, so I tried it. Um, I uh, evaluated the tooling, the existing tooling at the time, and uh, it was a no-brainer, really. Um, so we started using it uh, at that course and the students uh, were quite happy to use it because they were already accustomed to use java uh, to express solutions so using uh, kotlin uh, at uh, at uh, that time was actually uh, refreshing for them and for me also because i was uh, at in the industry using um, java for uh, but what was the course itself that you were teaching the course was uh, mobile programming. Um, I uh, it was using um, Android. It still is using Android as the, the platform of choice. Uh, so uh, what we uh, address there is how to write correct programs for the Android right. platform. And um, this was in two thousand sixteen. Two thousand. So this was before yes. Google said that they're going to make uh, yes. provide official support for Kotlin. Yes, yeah. yes, it works. And so I know a little bit what happens in the industry, as you do, if you say that, you know, I mean, as you say that you mm -hmm. work in the industry yeah. when it comes to adopting a technology, right? A developer looks at it, it and they're fun. like, oh, my God, this is really cool and new shiny. I'm going to try and convince my managers or whoever it is to, to make sure that I, I adopt <laughs> this, right? Because it's very, very cool. Um, <laughs> because yes. we want to play with new things. But how does it work in your sector, like in your um, in the in academia, like you know, mm -hmm. I assume that before you are going to adopt a language, there is many things that you have to kind of take into account, right? Consider, 
Yeah. Like, what are yeah. those things? Yeah. Is it similar to the industry or is it radically different? Uh, it, it has some relation to the industry. Um, for example, um, uh, one of our uh, requirements is that uh, to be used as a first uh, language, it, it, for the moment, it, we want it to keep uh, uh, imperative. We want to still use a, an imperative language, object-oriented and statically typed. This is for the short term. This, these are the properties that we are looking uh, at the uh, or, uh, while choosing the language. Um, we uh, um, are currently uh, focusing three technology stacks on our course, on our, uh, uh, on our engineering course. It, they are uh, still.net, uh, Node, uh, and the JVM, of course. Uh, and because, uh, and this is highly related to the current, the current um, landscape of the, our industry. Portuguese and European mostly, okay, because that is our target. So we are we are aiming at producing, generating professionals, engineers that are able to to write software from day one. They we are aim to make them productive since day one in the industry, and therefore this is a, a, a main a major concern. So you would say that it's heavily influenced by what's going on in the industry at the time. Yes, yes, yes. We are looking forward also. But um, because we aim to ensure that our, um, our uh, graduates are able to start working since day one, product, 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 uh, sorry about that, to uh, contribute since day one, uh, we choose uh, to look at uh, the industry and uh, use the same technology stacks in the industry. And uh, in some moments, uh, look forward and, uh, and uh, try things such as this one. That's, this is why our elective courses are great for making such experiences. Yeah. This is why we could uh, try it in 2016, yeah. you know. Which is kind course. of, as you say, forward thinking a little bit, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. it comes with its own risks, which which we can discuss. Uh, but, you know, if yeah. I look at, for example, my university in Malaga, you know, we, we were being taught things in C and C++ and, and languages that have been around for decades. Why? Well, because they've been around for decades independently of whether mm -hmm. you may use them. I mean, C++, yes, that's still heavily used in, in, in the industry, right? Uh, but the, the the idea was that, well, there's this language that's been around for decades and it's a sure thing, so we should use this as opposed to, well, let's look at where the industry is going so that when you leave university, apart from knowing the, the fundamentals, you actually can start being productive from day one, so to speak, right? Yeah. But now coming back to the risks, when you adopted it in 2016, and given that it was uh, for mobile, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, definitely JetBrains, we're, 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 we've been around for, now it's going on to 20 years, and, and we've got, you know, products for, for a long time. Uh, so for myself and for many, that is a guarantee in itself, right? Uh, yeah. But was there any concern about, well, should we use this for Android if there's no posture from Google's side or was just that completely irrelevant for you? Um, at start, at the beginning, um, it was an experience. So we are trying it. We, uh, I think that 
the success was also due to the fact that we also accepted to use Java. Students could use one of those of both languages, either Java or uh, Kotlin. We were not not making it a, a, a studying subject in itself. It was not. It was never about the language. We we I only uh, ex, uh, accepted. Then I wrote my, my code in Kotlin and accepted them to write their code in Kotlin. Uh, and Java, they already knew Java. So it, there was no risk at all in this context. Uh, you see, because of, the, of their background, they already knew Java. So I was, I was allowed to, to play around a, a, a bit. But it became quite obvious that it was not a fad or a craze. Uh, it, uh, once Google uh, started to support it, uh, we felt good about ourselves also. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a similar experience in, in, in the course that I teach uh, about uh, web, web development. It's in the sixth semester, so it's after Paulo's course. And in 2018, I, I did a, a, a poll uh, in the beginning of the semester, and th th there was a significant, significant amount of students that were interested in, in, in doing the course with Kotlin. So I, um, I still taught my, my classes using Java, but I accepted uh, the students to do their work assignments using Kotlin, and I would support them. In 2018, uh, we used Spring on, on the backend, so the, the, the Spring support for Kotlin was starting to become uh, rather good. And in 2019, Spring of 2019, um, I switched, so I start using Kotlin in my classes. So all the materials that I, I, I gave to the students are, are use Kotlin but I still accept them to use uh, Java in their work assignments if they uh, prefer, but I think the majority uh, prefers Kotlin. And, and um, so it, the fact that see, it's a third year course, the, the students are more or less mature at that point. Um, yeah. It's an elective course, so it's not mandatory. The, the students can can choose to to do it or not. It's 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 a it's a good place to do some kind of experimentation and and try new things with limited impact. Also, uh, from my experience in the industry, I, I noticed that that Kotlin was 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 having a good adoption uh, also here in Portugal. And, and um, when I did a checklist of everything that was needed, so uh, can they have a free IDE? Yes, they can. Can they still use Gradle builds and use the same uh, tooling that they uh, normally use on the JVM ecosystem? Yes, they can. Uh, is there uh, good um, materials about or good contents about the language and about the use of the language in uh, in frameworks such as Spring, yes, there is. Can can they easily create a Spring a project using a Spring uh, initializer? Yes, they can. So um, everything was 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 um, available for us to start using Kotlin in in that context, and that created us also uh, some confidence that we could start thinking on using Kotlin in the first semesters, which is something that we are planning to start 
we do have obviously a free IDE for Kotlin development, which is IntelliJ Idea Community Edition. Um, but as an academic institution, I'm sure that you're aware that all of our tools are free for students and yes, um, academic, yes, which is cool. And and this and this segment's it's been cool. brought to you by JetBrains. <laughs> so um, now. Couple of things I want to ask about that before we, because I want to, I want to talk about uh, obviously both of you are doing co uh, concurrent programming, and then Pedro, you're also doing like the basics, which we're going to get to. Uh, but there is one thing that Pedro, Pedro Felix, you and I spoke a little bit about Ktor at some point as well. You were you were talking to me about Ktor. Was that something that you were considering as introducing also, or or was it just more you just personally playing with it? Well, I, I I I was very interested interested in Ktor, namely as uh, uh, well. I'm I'm generally interested in new ways of creating web frameworks, and uh, um, I thought Ktor was interesting, namely uh, on how it approaches composition, and uh, on how it approaches uh, asynchronous programming using coroutines. So yeah, it. I was um, very curious about it. Um, and here in, in the sixth semester, we have um, a capstone project where the students spend four to five months doing what is called the final project, where they uh, can use everything that they learn and show their abilities uh, doing that 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 project, which is also a, a good place to to do some experimentation. So uh, last last spring, I, I, I supervised a project where um, a group of students used Ktor to create uh, a, a, a reverse proxy um, with some um, abilities such as circuit breaking and load balancing. Um, and and we did it based on uh, on Ktor. It it was a, a, a mixed mixed feelings experience. Uh, some things were good, some were some other things were a little bit strange. But can talk about them. You can say bad. It's okay. I'll I'll, I'll later well, cut it yeah, out so, and, and just replace it with amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, as I've said, the fact that it's um, based from day one in coroutines, it's 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 a very important thing and a very interesting thing for us. Also, um, the, the, the way that uh, it, it can be composed using features and the way that features integrate into the pipeline is also a very interesting thing. What did not go so well? Uh, documentation was lacking. Um, the starting experience was not completely polished for instance when 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 creating a, a project from from start sometimes things did not compile because the references were not okay and but perhaps the most uh, the thing that created the most issues for us during the project was the way that the pipeline is um, is implemented and the way that the pipeline behaves. So it's, it was rather uh, surprising to me when I, I, I looked into the, the the details. But it, it the students managed to to to, to uh, achieve their goals, and we had a, a prototype with a with a basic HTTP reverse proxy 
working on yeah. top of and, GitHub. And uh, you, you, of course, have experience with HTTP and uh, uh, servers and implementations from the ASP.NET. Yeah. We should actually do an episode where we, we talk about the implementation of Ktor and the issues that you have with pipelines. I think that would be definitely interesting. But staying on the topic of academia and, and moving a little bit into what would be the basics, right? How, you know, you went from using Kotlin for mobile to your students saying, oh, I really like Kotlin. I would like to use it for some of my web application development. And now you're doing it for web application with Spring. And the next step is to introduce it to teaching the basics of programming. One thing that you mentioned, Paolo, is that yeah. one of the requirements was to be an imperative object-oriented programming language. And yeah, we are you're old-fashioned. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's funny if we think that uh, kind of like functional programming was initially born around the same time, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've been speaking to a, a few different universities, and I don't know if you're aware that, for example, the Imperial College in London, uh, which I'm sure you've heard of, they the yeah. first yeah. programming language that they actually teach is Haskell. Yes, and then they move on to teaching uh, Java. It's kind of like, look, this is really cool, but this is the real world kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so how, like, why? Why the, because, I, you know, a lot of times we ask ourselves, especially those of us that are somewhat interested in functional programming, like, how mm -hmm. would the world be if we started teaching developers in universities and very early on functional programming as opposed to object-oriented programming? That's a hard one, yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, actually, uh, functional programming has uh, many benefits. Uh, I think it's unquestionable. That's why so many feat uh, functional features are coming to uh, current programming languages, uh, current usage. Um, one important uh, thing for us is that um, we aim that uh, we want to start from the beginning using those languages and uh, tools, toolkits that uh, they will be using in the industry. So it is, uh, although we we are at the, the required space for playing around, for uh, um, experimenting uh, in these uh, elective courses, uh, we never uh, keep, uh, we always keep the eye on the ball. And the, the ball is to ensure that our students are ready from day one. Regardless of our opinion, uh, what the world would be if we only teach uh, functional programming and if uh, there was only code uh, uh, in functional languages and functional presets, um, regardless of our opinion on that, the reality is that uh, the imperative, uh, the world is imperative. The industry is mostly currently is mostly object oriented and imperative, and but we we can start uh, uh, using uh, constructs uh, such as uh, dis discipline mut mutation. Uh, and I order functions 
uh, and still be uh, an imperative language, right? And object-oriented language. We look at Scala, for example. Uh, it is also object-oriented, but uh, this, and this is my own opinion, okay? Um, we uh, think of it as a bit difficult to start with. Um, for uh, newcomers, uh, students that have no background whatsoever in programming, um, it, it seems to be a bit difficult, you know? Uh, Kotlin is more uh, uh, grounded. Um, it seems to be easier to understand. It's subjective, I know. This is a bit subjective. But, but I mean, would you say yeah. that it's fair that, you know, at some point, the majority of academic institutions decided to go with mm -hmm. object-oriented um, paradigm? And this has been taught, which has led to industry adopting this which has then led to jobs being demanding this and now there's a there's this idea of oh let's try and introduce some functional programming concepts bring this back and maybe this will now you know start to come back to the academic world and say you know now let's start to bring some of these things back Maybe it, 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 that it, it's, a, it's a possibility, really. Um, but uh, functional programming is, is around for many years now. Uh, there's a reason for it not being adopted, widespread, uh, a widespread adoption in the industry. And that was that at the time, the technology was not there. Uh, uh, functional programs uh, took forever to do something useful, right? Um, and at the time, at the existing hardware. Uh, now that has changed. Concurrency is a problem, really. Most uh, regular folks cannot, cannot handle concurrency issues. <laughs> that, that is a, a fact. So um, I can imagine that, yes, a, a change can come in the near future. But I don't think it would be a drastic change. It, it could eventually go there. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, I think it's possible to, to, to go that way, yeah. I, I must confess that I have, I have mixed feelings because I, I, I feel that starting with OSCAL, which is a rather clean language, well sought out, uh, for which there are great books, it, it, it could be interesting uh, and, and, and it would be an, an interesting experience. However, I'm, I am afraid that the student motivation may not be uh, great. Uh, it, it's, it's speculation from my part, but it's one thing that we are afraid because we like to motivate the students by presenting them uh, real um, engineering tools that they will most probably use. And, 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 and for the students uh, coming to our institute, that is highly motivating for them. So we try to, to create a context that is similar uh, to a, a real engineering context. For instance, we, we start using Git and, 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 and source control uh, real soon um, in, in their course. So um, for one thing, I think the, using Haskell will be probably lovely from a, um, a clean cleanliness point of view because yeah. everything is very polished and everything is very well documented. There are great uh, books, 
On the other end, uh, um, I'm always afraid that the motivation for, for, for the students might be uh, lower, that they might interpret it as an obscure language that the, the teacher really likes, but that no one uses. And, and, and I, I think that using Kotlin will allow us to start presenting functional concepts uh, early on. The fact that I don't need to create a class to start doing something, uh, it's yeah. important. Yeah. The fact that by default, uh, most of the data structures are immutable, um, it's a good thing as well. Um, the fact that I have uh, first class functions and that, that I can easily define a lambda, it's, it's also a good thing. And, and concepts that we can easily introduce um, in a first uh, programming course without um, too much history or too much context or saying that, well, in the beginning, Java didn't have this, so they added later. And then we have functional interfaces uh, that more or less uh, are used for this <laughs> same goal. So uh, using Kotlin will probably uh, allow us to, to start talking about functional concepts in a first programming course uh, with a more clean uh, model. Uh, I'm teaching in, in first semester. Um, currently, the first programming language is Java. Um, but uh, Java is not an uh, easy approach to beginners. Um, I, I think a pedagogical outcome will be better using Kotlin. Kotlin is uh, um, expressive without being verbose and has an easy syntax to learn by beginners. Uh, and and uh, in conclusion, the for beginners, Kotlin is more intuitive than yeah. Java. Um which is the reason that you're looking at now introducing Kotlin yeah. as the language for teaching, right, in the first course. Yeah. 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 So, but I still have one question around that because th this is something that's always kind of, you know, one of the reasons that they say that JavaScript has become so popular as a, a language to teach people programming and to a certain extent has even overtaken Python or, or being used in some uh, universities instead of Python is because JavaScript is everywhere. Like anything can run JavaScript. You know, you can have a web page, create a web page and run JavaScript. You, you have now Node that runs JavaScript, which is a fair point, right? If you were to compare that, for example, with something like Kotlin or Java, let's take Java right now. With Java, you need mm -hmm. the Java compiler, you need the JVM, you need the JDK, you need all of this infrastructure, you need to explain to people all of this before you actually dive in and speak, uh, talk about the language, okay? So I've always been wondering, like, with us bringing Kotlin native, where you have just the compiler, and you have some code and you can write some code and run it on the command line with a compiler. Obviously, you know, then you'll use an ID or whatever. Would this make the barrier of entry easier to teach people programming as opposed to first having them jump over that, you know, 
the, the, the bar of the JVM and, and, and the virtual machine and all of these things. Well, what are your thoughts around that? Uh, well, uh, I can start. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I don't have any experience with Kotlin native. Um, I'm, 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 I've been following the, the development, but I never used it. Um, well, yeah, they, the students don't need to install JDK, but well, they, they because they can use the, the embedded JDK that comes from the IDE to, to, to be able to run the IDE, but they, they still need the IDE. They still are doing uh, console apps in the, in the beginning. I'm not sure that the improvement would be um, significant. I think that using REPLs, eventually yeah. starting with web-based uh, REPLs, it's, it's, it's a good thing because it allows us allows them to very easily trying to or writing expressions and evaluating expressions but i don't i'm not convinced that using kotlin native will be um, a significant improvement uh, on a, on the first course but what's your opinion paul yeah i was uh, i mostly agree with you uh, i was just saying i was going to say uh, just this that uh, for example when initially we started to use kotlin the the cones okay the the, the fact that there are cones online helped a lot on breaking that in, in breaking down that barrier of, uh, of entering uh, the ecosystem in addition uh, the fact that uh, kotlin, there there is kotlin native and that we are uh, seeing much effort, a great deal of effort going into that from JetBrains. It give it increases our confidence. Um, the fact that Kotlin is becoming multi-platform uh, increases our confidence that we can, in fact, uh, take this risk because it is a risk. Um, and um, uh, and for the most part, I, we must uh, underline that we also agree that JavaScript it is a great contender. That that means that. Um, we are also considering the use of, of JavaScript and web uh, from day one, uh, from the, uh, since the, the, the first semester. But currently, the, the immediate uh, course of action is to um, bring Kotlin to, to, the, to the first semester, to use it pro in Programming 101, and mostly because we have a high confidence that this will work great because of the efforts that are going around uh, onto it uh, by uh, JetBrains, in, in particular multi-platform and Kotlin native. And um, the existence of, of uh, environments or tools such as uh, REPLs and uh, REPL is a, a, a big deal for us because we need the students to have immediate feedback. They try something and see the result immediately. And that is a, a major point for us. And, and actually, it is a, a downside in Java. <laughs> we don't have a great REPL or examples such as uh, the Cohen's, uh, at least not to my uh, knowledge. I know that there is JShell, but I'm not a fan of it, I must confess. So, uh, yeah, uh, Cotton Native contributes to, to this, because, but mostly because of the confidence that... Uh, That's that a fair is, point. I mean, a lot yeah. of people have used that argument of, I don't, I don't need to know the JVM and all of this to, to start programming. But yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, yeah. yes, if you download the tool, it, it has an embedded one that you can use. The, there's the REPL, as you say, mm -hmm. and the koans. Cool. 
the other last topic I want to discuss a little bit is that uh, both of you, I think, were mentioning that you are involved in the concurrency course as well, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. where is where are you with Kotlin on this? Because obviously you know that you know we do um, the whole coroutines, and I want to see like how what what are you using right now to teach concurrency? Well, um, we we start with the basics of concurrency and synchronization, and we use Java and JVM. And we use uh, and we spend um, a couple of weeks uh, talking about uh, the basic synchronization primitives that we have in Java, as well as um, teaching the students to create their own primitives using uh, monitors and locks and conditions. Uh, but still in the synchronous world, and then in the second half of the course, we move into an asynchronous world. And then, uh, and there we um, use um, callback-based development in Java, and then we switch to C# -sharp and use async await mostly for asynchronous programming. Um, but with uh, the recent, uh, well, not so recent, um, introduction of coroutines, also with the popularization of reactive models, it's 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 in our plans to consider introducing um, those subjects as well in, in the context of this uh, concurrent programming, namely coroutines. I think that um, coroutines are a great uh, asynchronous programming model. They don't solve concurrency uh, completely, but they are a, a big step towards um, Asynchronous programming. I I, I used to, to to joke that when 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 I start working more in in with Java in a, in the JVM, the the, the the main thing that I missed from C sharp wasn't async await. Uh, it it was the, the main thing, and it it was lacking uh, in the JVM. And now with coroutines and also with Project Loom that Oracle is working. I think that we are going to have also a very interesting asynchronous story in the JVM. So we currently don't teach uh, coroutines, but it's definitely definitely in 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 our plans because it's not only the coroutines model but also the the structured concurrency. They seem uh, very uh, sought out. And also, um, they provide the students with a good framework of reasoning uh, on these things. I wanted to add something, if you if you allow me, Adi. Um, that, um, for example, uh, uh, Pedro uh, was mostly talking about a course, uh, a mandatory course, which is uh, a concurrent programming, uh, a third year. Um, mandatory course but for example again here we can play around in our elective courses um, the uh, mobile device programming course that uses android uh, as a as, uh, subject uh, in in the current semester we are planning to start using coroutines yes because we write our code in kotlin and uh, because coroutines are there so we are going to try it uh, although this, although um, 
concurrency is not uh, our main concern uh, in Android. In actually, in every real-world uh, platform, concurrency is just there. Um, in Android, for, for instance, we have a, a, a concurrency model based on message passing, uh, and so uh, the issue is about uh, synchronicity. And uh, therefore, coroutines seem to be quite what we need uh, to express asynchronous uh, computations and conclusions or continuations in the appropriate uh, thread. So we are going to give it a try this semester for the first time uh, in uh, in this course, this elective course uh, of mobile. Yeah, program. it's a good thing that you brought that up because that's where I was kind of heading right because i mean if, if you want to keep up if you're saying that you're influencing being influenced by the industry yeah. you want to try and get the develop the people that leave ready you know it's very clear yeah. that android development is committed pretty much to co-routines right yeah so that, yeah, that's yeah. the reason for sure great we're already using uh, uh jetpack and yeah. whatnot so we are up to cool. to date with uh, <laughs> well, it's awesome. I think. And do you think, like, overall, the experience has been good? Have you? Would you want something different, or is there something that was missing that would have made it easier for you in in all of this process of adopting Kotlin? Uh, well, honestly, it's been great. I'm sorry. It seems. Uh, it seems. Um, it seems uh, uh, awkward, but. It's, it has been great. I I I lived a reality where I had to use Java in a real world Android application, and I suffered physical pain. And now I'm happy. Well, that's great to hear. I don't know why <laughs> you're saying sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> <you know. laughs> well, uh, it seems almost uh, like an um, advertising. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, one of you two, Pedros, please say something. Um, say something negative. Bad. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. Um, I'm not directly involved in 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 preparing Kotlin for um, the for uh, programming 101, but one of the things that I, that 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 is lacking is a yeah. good introduction book that doesn't assume that the person or the student already knows. Uh, already knows Java or already knows object-oriented programming. So teaching the first concepts um, for someone that doesn't know uh, any uh, programming at all using Kotlin, it's something that we, at least I, didn't found uh, good um, material. So can I, make, can I give you because some good news? There is. Yes, yeah? of course. Have you looked at Atomic Kotlin? I've yeah. looked, but it's, it seems to be still working in, in progress. Yeah, but uh, it's going to be finished very, very soon uh, because my colleague Svetlana uh, is actually working on it uh, and it's going to be finished very, very soon. And that really does assume... I mean, there's a lot of content there already, um, but it's uh, it, it kind of... It does assume that you don't know programming, let alone Java. I'm looking at the layout now, and yeah, it seems like so. Yeah. So yeah. check that out. I'll give it a try. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you have any feedback, Great. she'll be happy to hear it. So, but yes, but uh, it is also true, Pedro, that a lot of our documentation is heavily biased towards the Java developer. 
uh, and and you know you probably saw just recently I I wrote a blog post with a collection of courses and material for people that are coming from .NET that don't know Java and the JVM and how to get started. But this is something we are working on, right? But it takes time okay. to kind of quote unquote clean up or de-Javaize. De-Javaize. Nice. I just made that up. De-Javaize <laughs> our documentation. Uh, yeah. But but the thing is that you, we can't completely de-Javaize it either because people that are Java developers that are coming to Kotlin, they also want to say, okay, so what is the equivalent of this in Java? Or how do I do this with Java, right? So we've got to cater to everyone, essentially. Yes, agree. Yeah. 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 Great. Cool. Well, it's been wonderful having you all. Um, thank you for taking the time to come on. It's uh, For me, as I said, it's really exciting to see Kotlin being adopted in academia uh, because I, I truly believe in, in Kotlin could be that first language where we teach people how to do programming. Uh, so, so it's great to hear that you've had um, success with it and I hope that with the introduction of the first year course it will even be better thanks for having us yes yeah, thank you anytime okay thank you thank you take care nice. thank you bye bye, bye.